0: Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Byrd. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Well, Todd's just returned from the PCA General Assembly with a report. He'll talk with Carl and Amy about a change to one of Covenant Seminary's departments, women's roles in the church, and more. Let's listen in to hear Todd, Carl, and Amy's take on the hot topics from The Gathering.
1: Well, now that you have come to know Carl Truman well enough to know his love both of physical fitness and uh, mystic spirituality, Carl has uh, a, a wonderful candidate here for a desperate theologizer. Carl, what have you found? What have you found? Yeah, well, just before we get to Desperate Theology, I can't help but mention
2: that by the time this program airs, I will have led my team to victory in the Horsham Tribal Challenge, which mm-hmm. is like American Ninja Warrior, only tougher, and that mm-hmm. Amy Bird actually chickened out of joining the Oh, team.
3: my goodness. Perhaps Are you recruit, serious? Had to
2: recruit some other people. She couldn't
1: take the pace. Wow! So,
3: Sorry about my family vacation plans.
1: <laughs> now, is this tribal thing? Is this kind of a Lord of the Flies type of a deal? That yeah, yeah. Okay. We, you know, we 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 kill
2: the lame and the wounded,
1: and okay. uh,
3: it's not uh, tougher than American Ninja Warrior, though.
2: Well, you won't know because you never tried it. <laughs> <laughs> you were too busy on the family vacation, in inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Desperate Theologizer. We thought we'd go ecumenical this week. We've never given the award to Roman Catholics. So as a, as a gesture, we thought we'd, we'd give an award to the Roman Catholics this week. I've discovered uh, the Pietra Fitness Program. You can find it on the at the online catholicstore.com. Various programs available. I'll read you a bit of the blurb. Uh, the Pietra Fitness uh, is described as a retreat for body and soul giving gentle restoration, featuring stretching, strengthening, bodily prayer, Gregorian <laughs> chant, and Christian prayer. meditation. When you move up to level one, it actually includes Renaissance polyphony, not Gregorian chant. So there's a, there's a kind of musicological progress as well. This is the description. Pietra Fitness is a unique whole person fitness program that integrates physical exercise with Christian prayer. While drawing upon the rich and timeless traditions of the Catholic Church, mm. bodily prayer, sacred art, Gregorian chant, and Christian meditation Todd this has you written all over <laughs>
0: me, no are kidding. woven
2: into this stretching and strengthening workout, mm. so that in only one hour you feel calmer, stronger, refreshed, and renewed. <laughs> For the temple of God which you are is holy. First Corinthians three seventeen B. The gentle workout is appropriate for a wide range of ages and abilities. It incorporates both floor work and standing exercise with slow transitions. The peaceful pace and movements gently promote strength, flexibility, and improved balance. The featured meditation reminds us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, and only in Christ can we be truly renewed. I I don't know about you, but I find it incredibly encouraging that the Roman Catholics also have their fair share of...
1: Complete nonsense. <laughs> I mean the first thing that came to my mind is I feel I feel a recommendation for a study committee on bodily prayer. Yeah, what on. the heck that's, is that's bodily prayer? Do. I and think you
3: it wants a gentle workout. Is I that even
1: do. a workout? <laughs> hey, it is for some of us. <laughs>
3: Naps are not included, Todd.
2: <laughs> yeah. The, I still have that image of Todd coming down to breakfast in my house dressed in his wife Peter. Yeah, we didn't want any strengthening or stretching exercise to come <laughs> my, my, my wife still passes out when I mention it to her.
1: So, <laughs> I look good. What can I say?
2: Anyway, this week uh, we're gonna give the Desperate Theologizer Award to Pietra Fitness, Gentle and Restoration. Congratulations.
1: Yes,
0: much fancier word than Christian yoga. yoga. Yes. Why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one. But I know that you got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you.
1: Okay, who wants to queue up the uh, PCA discussion? Well, it's
2: a simple move from desperate theologizing <laughs> to the, uh, the PCA General Assembly 2016. Mm. Todd, any desperate theologizing <laughs> or missional theologizing going on at the assembly?
1: Well, first of all, let me say it was a privilege to be at the General Assembly of my denomination. I had wonderful fellowship with a lot of good brothers Uh, Out there, Uh, Mobile, Alabama has great uh, seafood and wonderful uh, big oak trees, and that's pretty much all I want to say. No, we, you know, there's there's good things. Uh, Again, a lot of wonderful brothers, a lot of great pastors, a lot of wonderful churches and presbyteries in the PCA, Um, and good things happening. I, you know, I'm 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 thankful that. An overture on racial reconciliation went through. I, I had some quibbles with some of the theological justification for um, that kind of a, a corporate repentance. Um, that said, um, you know, I was happy to to get over that and and to see brothers and sisters who have parents um, who were dehumanized in in the south in the 1960s. To see them encouraged by this was a good thing. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. But, um, you know, th- there, as I'm sure some have already read and heard about, there were some goofy things uh, that went on. Um, one thing that I'm sure we're going to be hear- hearing more about in the future was that um, our denominations seminary, Covenant Seminary, has renamed its Department of Systematic Theology Uh, to the Department of Missional Theology and I can tell you as soon as that was announced there was a a a murmuring that went across the assembly floor it was just stuck in as part of the report and then after a report was given a young commissioner got up to one of the mics and said I wonder if everybody understands that the president of our seminary just stood up and told us that our denomination seminary will no longer have a department of systematic theology. I wonder if the president could explain that a bit more. And And it was, um, it was a troubling moment, I've got to tell you. Um, knowing what we know about the importance of systematic theology, even as recent debates over the Trinity have proven once again that systematic theology is not in its heyday right now in a lot of our seminaries, and, and to know that my denomination's seminary has gone ahead and just thrown out the name altogether was was very troubling to a lot of us, you know?
2: Could you expand on that a little bit, Todd? I mean, somebody might come back and say, yeah, yeah. but the, the faculty are the same. Uh, yeah. You know, what's in a name? You could right. call it the right. Department of Theology. You could drop any kind of qualifier. Well, what do you see as the potential significance for, for this particular move? Yeah. Well, Speculation, know, I, of course, but yeah, uh, yeah.
1: But you know, what, you know, you know, there's there's power in naming a thing. Um, that that when you name something, it, it it can often tend to become what what you name it. And and what we need, and what seminaries need, is good systematic theology. Oftentimes, you know, it's the systematic theology department that's kind of at the heart of the training because kind of everything coalesces there. But um, I I don't like the word missional. It's a trendy new word, and to to do away with something as foundational as the name systematic theology and to put in its place a, a new kind of trendy uh, name uh, is bothersome. Um, and there are some other things that I will probably say in private but not in public. Let me just put it that way. Um, but I, I'm a lot of us are very concerned about uh, about the fact that this this seems to signal a continued trajectory that is troubling, since it is uh, a
3: fad-like name too. I mean, I don't see them holding on to that name very long. I mean, well, you're saying it's a new name; it's kind of getting worn already as, as a term. As,
1: yeah, th- that's a good point. As fads go, yeah, this name is kind it's of more on a the fad down-
3: than a trend.
1: Yeah, this thing is kind of on the downturn, and so there was there were a lot of shocked looks on people's faces when that was announced. And, and my, my, my idea was that that, was that, that report um, could have been titled um, Westminster Seminary and Reformed Theological Seminary. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you know, because it, I, you could just feel the air go out of the room at that mm. point. Um, it was a strange moment. And the explanation that was given Honestly, I'm not being obtuse here. Honestly, I didn't understand the explanation. Um, so that was a, that was an odd moment. But then the thing that's getting most press, and it's even hit uh, with Christianity Today and other news Christian news sources, is that we approved by quite a a large vote um, the, the recommendation to have a study committee appointed that's going to study uh, the roles of of women in the church. Now, that on its own, if I just state it like that, doesn't seem to be a big deal. The problem was in the wording of the recommendation, which um, w- which is simultaneously a study of, of ordination. And so anytime you're talking about um, studying women's roles in the church along with ordination, uh, for Presbyterians, that's that's red meat. And for good reason. Um, because we, you know, those of us that know the history of Presbyterianism, um, our antenna go up at, at that point. And so there's, there's real concern among those of us that voted against uh, the study committee. Um, it was very clear that one side of this debate had been very well organized and the other side had not been organized at all. And so we kind of went down in, flame, in flames at that point. Yeah.
2: That's a fundamental error, I think, in, in Presbyterianism where people assume that arguments carry the day. Right. I think points of order... Always trump points of theology on the floors of presbyteries. Uh, you know, he who has the rule, command of the rule book, has command of the room. Um, so, organization's critical. And again, Todd, would I be right in saying that it doesn't really matter what the committee says or what the makeup of the committee is? You're likely to have a majority and a minority report coming out of this committee, which will place all of the major questions onto the floor of the General Assembly within a couple of years.
1: Yeah, yeah. the fear is that if, because I only know um, where a, a couple of the committee members are on this issue. The others, I don't know where they are. Right. Um, others might, might have a much better idea than I do. So I, I'll be surprised if there's not a majority and minority report. If, mm. if the committee truly represents a, a spectrum um, then, then I would say the chances are high that there's going to be a majority-minority minority report, and it and it will because of that disturb the 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 peace of the church. One of the things that was that was disturbing to me, as the floor debate unfolded, was that those that were in favor of the study committee um, were appealing almost exclusively to emotions and sentiment. So things were said like this. Literally, one brother got up and said. Our wives will love us for this. If, if we do this study committee, our wives will love us for this I, I I was I was I was stunned at such a strange thing to say because I know one thing my wife said if you come back and that study committee hasn't passed then then I don't love you anymore. I mean that was a big that was a big deal in our house I can tell you oh, yeah. um, but it was such a strange thing. The other thing yeah. that was strange to me is that, is that men got up and just impassioned, you know, said things like, our women are wandering around our churches because they don't have any idea what they can and can't do. Now, first of all, that's (laughs) not... Get yourself a decent pastor. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. That's not even remotely true at the church I serve or any of the churches I know of. Um, If that is the case, if you're in a PCA church, if you're a woman in a PCA church and you're sitting in a corner because no one has ever made it clear that you're allowed to do anything in that church, then you've got bad elders mm. um, who are not ruling and teaching well. The, the, of course, the point is, is that that was a completely disingenuous argument. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine any of our churches, women are, quote, wandering around having no idea what they can do. And I'll tell you, if it is the truth, then, then you've got bad elders at that church. The fact is, those c- it, we're, we're very clear in our book of church order that women are not to hold ordained office in the church. And one of the appeals was, you know, we need to have a list of the things that they're allowed to do. Now, the problem with that is that that's likely to cause even more confusion. It's far better to say, here where what the boundaries are. Yeah. Now you're free outside of those boundaries. It's why ordination is so important to focus
2: on ordained office and what ordained officers right. can do actually frees up a whole yeah, lot of exactly. other space for exactly. non-ordained men and for women. Right.
0: Um, and it'll so- be...
1: It'll be a very bad idea if the committee tries to come up with some sort of a a comprehensive list of all of the things, quote, women are allowed to do. That's bad. Those kinds of questions are best answered by faithful elders in a local church and good presbyteries weighing in. that's where those decisions are helpfully made and if a church has a question of you know what is this the kind of role that should belong only to those who are ordained well then you talk as a session about it and if you can't get clarity then you take it to your presbytery and have other brothers weigh in on it a a study committee just doesn't seem to me to be helpful in this at all Mm. so
2: would it be fair to say todd that Kind of your frat boy honeymoon period with the PCA is now over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 um, wow, that's a hard one to answer. I'd say, I say, I don't think I ever had quite the frat boy fascination uh, with the PCA. But this, this is one thing I said to some brothers that night after we all kind of walked out licking our wounds, and I say that because after several of the floor speeches. From those that were in favor of the study committee, um, there were big rousing applause and a few shouts of "Preach it," which I- is really inappropriate in a floor debate. And and it and it, n- it didn't occur once on on the other side, but it occurred several times. And then after the vote was taken, um, and the the winning side declared, there was a big rousing thunderous applause. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and so those of us that voted against it really did walk out feeling like vanquished foes yeah, yeah. in that sort of an environment. And, but one of my observations afterwards was that um, the progressives in the PCA are more n- numerous than I had previously thought, and the conservatives are really poorly organized. Um, you know, there are several networks and, and annual gatherings. Um, of the more progressive members of our denomination, where they plan and strategize for General Assembly. Now, I'm not criticizing that. There are proper and, and good ways to do that. It's just that the conservatives don't do that. And I think part of it is because they just assume, look, the Book, book of Church Order and the Scripture is really clear on this. Why do we need yeah. to organize for it?
2: Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, conservatives have got things to do other than organize <laughs> denominationally. Um, That's right. You know, uh, yeah. I it do wonder, seemed... sorry, Amy.
3: I was just going to say, it just seems that the purpose of the study committee isn't very clear. I, I mean, exactly. when you look at this ordination clause, then it seems like, okay, that is the underlying purpose. And, and then Valerie Hobbs wrote a really good article about this too, that was featured on the Aquila report. Um, is that even going to benefit any women or the church? Because I think that there are ways that women could be benefited by doing some study of, you know, just women's initiatives in the church. I think there's a serious problem right now that women's ministries are target market for fluff and bad theology, and they're they're being targeted to to have bad theology seep through the back door of women's ministries throughout the rest of the church, because they're very influential in the church women are. Yeah. And if we're to be crucial partners with men in this mission of God, in this household of God, then how can we better invest in women and serve alongside them yeah. or have them serve alongside of the men under the ministry of Word and Sacrament?
1: Right. And those are and, and see, and those are great discussions to have. Uh, for the session to have and for the session to have with some of the women in their church, you know, those mm-hmm. are, gre- those are, that's the yeah. environment where that where you work those things out. And then right. if you need more input or more help, then you appeal to some of the the brethren in, in your Presbytery and you work those things out. That's one of the beauties of Presbyterianism. Um, but this was, this came down quite a bit different. And, and one of the things that Valerie points out in that piece and that I'm going to be commenting on as well is that over and over again, those who spoke from the floor in favor of the study committee—it um, was clear there were talking points, by the way. But but one of the the things that they kept saying was no quote no one's talking about ordination. And of course, the stunning <laughs> disconnect there is that it's right there in the report. It's right there in the recommendation that right. the committee is to study ordination um, as it relates to to deacons and deaconesses and and and, and yet we kept hearing no one's talking about ordination. Well, no, that's precisely what this is about. And so a lot of us felt like there was some disingenuous things being being said about this. And so, uh, yeah, so some of us are very skeptical about, about the helpfulness of this and are concerned about the divisiveness of it instead. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was also, it was also interesting to, to, to talk to brothers who've come to the PCA from the PCUSA and from the RCA and who grew up like me in the Southern Baptist Convention and remember the bad old days in in the Southern Baptist Convention over these issues. And you heard these brothers from the PCUSA and from the RCA, they were hearing a very familiar and sad song replayed in their minds um, through that debate. They they came away very deeply concerned for good reason.
2: I've often wondered with the PCA. This sounds an odd way of putting it. Don't jump on the oh, it's typical OPC criticism till I finished. But I wonder <laughs> if it's too big. Uh, yeah. not, not that I object to 300,000 good Presbyterians across the, the 50 right. states of the United States. But in terms of governance, I think mm-hmm. Presbyterianism works well in a small country like Scotland, yeah. a city like Geneva. It works well with 30,000 people spread over the United States, like with the OPC. When you get to 300,000, it starts to factionalize and become more ungainly at that point. And I wonder, I mean, it would seem to me that if if this report develops the way that you fear it will, there probably would be a split in the church. Mm -hmm. I wonder if if the best way for the PCA to split, if I could put it that way, Mm -hmm. would be to divide regionally. Uh, become a series of smaller regional churches because, as I look at the PCA map, quite often the individual regions are fairly homogenous and are united. You know, yes. the presbyteries do have a certain color to them. The right. Mississippi presbyteries and the the Manhattan presbyteries right. they they're different, but they're kind of homogeneous in. In themselves, I wonder yeah. if if that would be a peaceful way of looking towards the future. It, in the it the could
1: Act. be. It could be. And, and another thing to consider would be um, uh, enacting synods uh, to uh. cover regions, but but some way to exercise some discipline. <clears throat> One of the things that, that was horrific to some of us is that it was acknowledged uh, from uh, the, the the brother who who was who brought the recommendation from the administrative committee. Uh, the the brothers, part of his rationale for saying we should have a study committee is that we have churches that are acting out of accord with the book of church order on some of these issues, and so therefore we need a study committee. And of course, that left some of us stunned, not because we were shocked that there were churches that were acting out of accord with the book of church order, but that it was openly acknowledged. And instead of us stopping and saying, let's do something about this, it was, therefore, let's have a study committee (laughs) Right it yeah. just seems so strange yeah, it just seemed so strange, yeah. so anyway yeah. I, I you know God is is in control and and the thing I'm praying for is is that the Lord will use this study committee to actually firm up um, uh, the, the the biblical commitment we have'm um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm praying towards that end, you know the vote went the way it went, it went pretty overwhelmingly. And now I'm I'm praying for the best possible outcome. So we'll see.
2: And feel free to come and join the OPC as long as you <laughs> say we don't want any crazy people, but any <laughs> sane conservatives in the PCA who are looking for home. <laughs> Well, well, seen
3: conservatives.
2: Yeah, a, I don't know. I've, there's, I've a fire
1: I, there's a seat by the
2: fireside for you.
1: <laughs> I, I know. I know about some of the people in the OPC, and and you've you've got some nuts in your denomination too. So you know what? I don't know. You
2: might say that I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right. Well, I think that about sums up our discussion for today. Thanks for listening. And, and please remember that we are a donor-supported podcast. So um, if you could just go ahead and visit our website, org, if you'd like to support us in that way or subscribe to our podcast or, or even subscribe to us over on iTunes. Um, tell us what you think on there and leave us a review. And we'll talk to you next time. When all the birds are singing in the sky Now that the spring is in the air Pretty girls are everywhere Think of me and I'll be there We had joy, we had fun We had seasons in the sun But the hills that we climbed Were just seasons out of time
0: Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith, and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. We hope you'll head over to mortificationofspin.org to listen to a free message, The Vitality of Reformed Systematic Theology by Richard Gaffin. Systematic theology is as important today as ever. Go listen to this message to learn more. And join us next week for a discussion with Michael Kruger on the Canon of Scripture.
2: People in my congregation are generally speaking not technical theologians, but every, maybe a couple of times a year, somebody will come up to me after a service and say, there'd be some variation on the theme of, okay, why do my Roman Catholic friends have more books in their Bible? Why, why these books and no others?
3: Now, what is your argument then? You know, why is it an important topic for the average layperson to, to learn about the canon of Scripture, its authority, and you know, to have a good apologetic for that?
0: that conversations next time. And in the meantime, don't forget to read, comment, and subscribe to the Mortification of Spin blog and listen to The Vitality of Reformed Systematic Theology. We'll talk to you next time.
1: I want to record one where I'm where I'm kind of crying a little bit.
3: That would be so good.
1: My voice kind of catches several times. that would be
3: good. Uh-huh.
1: Could I we have exactly.
2: testimonies from your kids of how they're starving and you need know- absolutely?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could, say, I could say I could say something like I could say something like the 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 taxes on my home on Hilton Head Island have gone up, yeah. and we desperately need you know some more support from listeners. Mm-hmm. So. By the way, I don't have a home on Hilton Head. I was making that up. Uh, We
3: know. (laughs)